guys can be seated. Good morning. It is good to see all of you here. Can we thank our praise and worship team? For, can we thank the Lord for these, these leaders who are doing such a good job preparing us for the word of God as the spirit is here. I know he has prepared my heart to share with you this message. And so I pray it is received well. We're going to be in Philippians 3, 12 through 16. But as you're going there, I'd encourage you to flip to, get on an app, or open your Bible to Philippians 3, 12 through 16. But first, let me uh, ask you these questions that you saw at the onset of the service in the video, the introductory video, where uh, those on the video finish these sentences. These are, these are some of the things that have been on my mind this week as we were preparing for our vision launch today. And, and so I put some thought into this first one. What, what I love about Emmaus is, and I want you to do that too. Of course, we're assuming you love Emmaus. Clever of us to just assume that, right? This week, we, we posted on some social media channels uh, some, some of these questions. And, and he's, here's where some of the responses that we got. Um, and, and I love to see some of this. The pastor, I'm just kidding. That's not... I love that the members of our church are now our family. That, that's certainly something that comes to mind. Fifteen years ago, seriously, I'm that old now. Fifteen years ago, just about this June, we moved to Bloomington, my family. The kids were teeny then. Now they're, now they're grown up. I was going to say huge. That's wrong. Um, but now they're growing up. And it's like time is just kind of like this. But, you know, in that time... This has become our family. And, and I can honestly say that. Uh, what, what family this is and, and what unique community we have here at Emmaus. Love that. I love, too, that, of course, we are a Bible-believing church that is founded upon the Word of God. And I believe with that foundation, we have all the hope for the future because that is the only foundation to be founded upon. And I also think about this other this other question or sentence. I'm excited for Emmaus' future because I want you to be able to think that through a bit because I believe we have every hope to look forward to what God has for us. I don't, I don't know if it's partly because of the year that we have faced, but the, the hardships of a pandemic year, so to speak, and all that has been going on in our city and all that might be going on in the next months, has caused me to reflect on the future and, and where I see society going and that sort of thing. And it causes great concern, there's no question about it, and yet I know what God is doing in it. And I have faith that what God is doing in it, he's, build some, he's building something for his kingdom. And that I am sure because of this, because of the foundation in which we are built upon. And I think... In Philippians 3, 12 through 16, the Apostle Paul has some really, really important insight for us as we look at, look at these subjects, as we think about the, the future and as we consider that for ourselves individually and what that means for our own role we play in the future vision of the church. As we consider, church, a few areas 
of renewed focus. That's what today is about. It's, an, it, it, it's, it's a way of us saying, okay, where should we be focusing, God, asking really important questions and seeking answers for those questions in order that he would lead us in the direction we should be going? Focuses like, if, if I were to summarize them, disciple-making. You, you could summarize the whole booklet that you're going to get following the service by saying, we, we need to be about disciple-making, what we're called to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. We have such a healthy heritage of that at Emmaus, and I'm confident that God is going to continue to lead us there. But how we do that matters. It's all disciple-making, but maybe more specifically, what, what are... What are some of the endeavors that we seek to grow in and, and renew our focus in? Well, well, one would be home group sustainment. If you're a part of a home group or, or someone's dragging you to one and you don't really want to go, either way, it's only the beginning, <laughs> okay? If you're doing it on Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams or whatever format you're doing it on or, or you're doing it in homes, whatever it is, okay, it's only beginning. And we want it to be in person. And all this is past us. Why? Because this is where fellowship is. And it's so critical. That's just one part. I'm not getting into all the details. Everyone say thank you. Yeah, we'd be here all day. Yeah, just get comfortable. Okay. Growing in worship and our attendance in worship. That's a, that's a renewed focus. Why? Because God is worthy of all our praise. Be praised. We sing that song because we believe it in our hearts here at Emmaus. And we want to see more and more people experience the Spirit of God and it's moving. And His work in our hearts and our lives. That's what it's all about. Guest nurturing. Like when you got welcomed at the door, we want to be intentional about that. But not just about welcoming, but we want to Make sure that those who walk in here find a place. And that's going to take some intentionality. Things like member attention. I mean, it might be to some people just statistics, but they're not to God. Right? Every seat you're sitting in was prayed over before this service and before the service before it and is prayed over every single week. Why? Because we believe that God brought you here. Praise the Lord. There's other areas of renewed focus. Young family involvement. That's, that's our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is younger than us. That's why we're focused in that direction. But we want to be all things to all people as the Apostle Paul was. Leadership development, a big part of it is seeing the next generation come into leadership in the church. And we have to be intentional about that. And that's why we're looking at our systems and structures so that we maximize and steward what God has given us. Because God has given us quite a bit. We are a really blessed church. If you didn't know that, just know that now. If, if this is your first day here, or a first time watching, like this, we are really, really blessed. And to God be the glory. But we want to steward what he has given us. And that's why we're going to talk about the things we're talking about today. We're given a picture of a runner, like running, like long-distance running. Uh, this medal, not a big deal, but I won it myself. Not a, not a big deal. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a three-mile race. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, this is the picture that we're given actually in Philippians 3 of a runner. And, and, and it's, it's a runner who's running a long distance to win a prize. The point is the prize. The point is a goal. Just like any sports analogy would be, you score goals, right, to win. And, and although we're not talking about winning like the world is talking about winning, the point of getting to the goal or scoring goals is to win the prize. That's the picture we're given here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Does it look okay on me? Not a big deal. I just wanted... <laughs> Reading in Jesus' name, now that I've distracted all of us, not that I have already obtained this... Sorry. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. It says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, that, that means like Christians, I, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead... I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. Don't, don't miss this. The upward call. Everyone has a call. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then it says this. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's really important here. We're holding true to what God has already given us, church. That's what we're doing with this vision. It, it, it's not just, just forgetting about the past. It's moving forward because that's where God is. As we hold to what we have been given by God and steward it. Let's start with defining this in verse 12. It's helpful in understanding what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. This, in order to better understand how this relates to the body of Christ and our purpose here, let me just say, when we seek God for new vision, this means we devote focused time and attention in prayer and planning to ask and answer important questions about the ministry. Like, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Now, God's word doesn't change. His plan and his purposes do not change. But we change. In, in fact, we're constantly moving somewhere. And what Paul is articulating here is that we're moving forward towards something that God is working and shaping and molding in our hearts. So what he's talking about here is actually how we as individuals, but also as the body of Christ, grow to be more and more like Jesus. In the prior verses, he's talking about righteousness. He's talking about maturing in faith. And that's the goal of the church. That's what prize he's talking about. To be Christ-like. And what we're going to see as we kind of go through this is that there's kind of two parts to this. One, his purpose in our lives. 
but also what he's been trying to do from the start in all of us as we would become more like him and in relationship with him. Again, why do we do what we do here at Emmaus? I've been asked that more than once. Well, for his glory, we press on to make it our own. Notice this. Because Christ Jesus has made us his own. It's really, really beautiful what is being said here. We press on, we move forward in a very difficult and complex and challenging time because this is what he created us to be. Jesus gave up everything for us so that we could be his. Because Christ Jesus made us his own. Take that in for a second. Why on earth would someone travel to the ends of the earth to share the gospel? Like Pastor Kevin is now in Uganda and Rwanda. Those are just two of the places he's been this week. Why would we commit to difficult work in our city centers, in our communities, even when it's thankless, for example? Why do we financially support a work that sometimes sees daunting? And by the way, we're not asking for money. We're asking for you. We want everyone to be involved. That's what's beautiful about a vision like this. Why do we do what we do? Why do you teach preschool and Bible class? Why, why do you lead a small group? Why do you tend one? Why do you serve in the kitchen or welcome people at the door? Because Christ Jesus has made you his own. Think about that for a second. If, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he's made you his own. You've been adopted into his family. And in his family, he seeks that we become more and more like him. And that we'd grow to be like him because that's what work he is doing in our lives. And he wants more sons and daughters to be ushered into the family of God. Because Jesus has made us his own. How is God guiding us through this process together? Our, our text here in Philippians 3 actually shows us three things. It's kind of really one point, And that's why the Apostle Paul says, one thing I do. But really he he spells out three things. We'll call it a strategy for how we press on and move forward as a church together, unified under his purposes and plans. Number one, look with me at verse 13, forgetting the past. Forget the past. That makes some of you get a little uncomfortable? Well, it's what the word of God says. This isn't a pep rally. This isn't a motivational speech. This is the word of God. What does it say? Forgetting what lies behind. Now, he doesn't mean here we will just simply forget. You're not going to get amnesia. Okay? The phrase speaks to not allowing yourself to dwell. That's the point here. Dwell or be dominated by the past. See, if we're imprisoned by the difficulties of our past, for example, the sins of our past, or the glories of our past, like, you know, High school hero, past, that sort of thing, right? If we're dominated by that, well, then there's going to be unhealthiness in our lives. You might know someone who's stuck in the past. I'm not speaking of any one person here, I promise. <laughs> they, they wish they could go back. I think we've all had that maybe in one moment or in some ways. 
Wish I could just be, and you think of something in the past. You know, back in the day when things were so much better, that sort of thing. And, and naturally, our flesh is going to feel that way, because we especially don't like change. There's no question about it. But why might that be unhealthy, and what is the Apostle Paul getting at when he says, forget the past? Well, because we can only live in the present, for one. It'd be really important for us to take to heart what he means by don't dwell on the past. We only have the present. Am I right in saying that? Yes. We only have the present. And, and last time I checked, what is ahead is way better than what we have now. Right? Because God's there. And I'm not saying he's not here. I'm just saying what's ahead is way better that's why we move forward. In fact, we don't have any choice in the matter. We're always going somewhere. I think the question is, are we running on a treadmill or are we actually running in a direction and moving forward? So thankful that in Christ we're not defined by our past and that in moving forward Jesus is making something new. And he's always been about this. I, I think about Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, where it says this, as God was showing his chosen people Israel by taking them back, reminding them of his provisions. He says this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In other words, aren't, aren't you noticing? <laughs> I love that. Do you not notice that I'm, I've been doing something new for a long time? He's reminding Israel what he had done and where they were going, actually. It's why he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. He's bringing Israel back to their days when they were in Egypt under slavery and how he led them and provided for them even as they went through the desert, back to the promised land, past Sinai, and entered the promised land. But here's what's interesting. What Isaiah is doing here is he's saying there's some hardship to come because there's actually exile to come, but I'll bring you home. And we don't, might not want to hear that. I mean, I don't want to hear that, but I know it's true. I know there will be hardship ahead. I know there will be difficulty, difficulty Excuse me, ahead. But I can believe, just like what he is saying here, that God was with them then, he's with them today, and he'll be with them in the future. Praise the Lord. Yeah, do you, do you believe this? We will not see where God is leading if we're dwelling in the past. That's just a fact. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, talking about a new believer, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Revelation 21.5, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, this is Christ speaking, I'm making all things new. All things new. Do you recognize that this is what God has been doing in the beginning? He takes us back to bring us forward, and he reminds us of his provisions. Let me ask you, 
Raise your hand if you know the future. Who knows the future? Look what, uh, look what the Apostle Paul says here, straining forward then to what lies ahead. We strain, it's again a picture of a runner, you know, leaning into the finish line, okay? We, we strain forward, we move forward, we have our head forward, we're reaching because the goal is to win or to finish, to finish strong. He's talking about our purpose, church. It's not just to pass time and be comfortable to have the stuff we want, and once we get it, then we'll be happy, that sort of thing. Instead, our purpose is to fulfill God's plan and what he's doing through us. This means active engagement. And actually, I think so many in our church understand this so well. And yet, I think it's important for us to ask questions like, are we in the right spot in our role here at church? And are we doing our best? And I don't mean that like with a, like putting a burden on the church. Okay? We don't work. We don't strive out of obligation, something negative. Instead, because of his love. We're not trying to earn God's love. Because of his love, we want to work. We want to move forward. We want to be a part of what God is doing here. Love that picture. Active engagement, not watching what's going on. Today we're not inviting you to sit back and watch the staff do the vision plan or the council. Call me when you're done. I'll be interested then, sort of thing. No, instead, we're asking you to come alongside of this. I think about Jesus' life. Nothing in Jesus' life was comfortable. He moved towards hard things, actually, intentionally. Not because he wanted hardship, but because this was the Father's will. And in that, we must take into account our own cross, our own purposes, our own place. We strain forward because this is where he's leading us. We were talking about this on our staff meeting this week. Talking about engagement for each and every one at Emmaus and one of our staff members, I'm not going to name who it was, it was Sandy Barwin. Anyway, um, one of the staff members <laughs> was talking about these verses and, and she said something that was so good. It, it, she said, it gives me a picture of someone who is straining or working out and how at first you, you get sore muscles because it's challenging at first because you're not used to it. After maybe a long winter not walking outside, or, or you get out of your regiment, right? First time back, it's terrible. By the way, most races are terrible. That's why not everyone does it. But the point is the finish line, right? But at first, this is how it is. And we might get the impression that because it's hard or difficult or something that we don't want to do or, or uncomfortable... We get the impression that maybe it's not of God. But nothing in God's word tells me anything like that. 
In fact, I think sometimes God moves us to difficult things because he knows we need a good workout. Because what's ahead might be difficult, but at least we will be prepared for what he has for us. And so we cannot determine whether we like it or not to be the determining factor as to whether it's of God or not. But we do want everyone in the right role. See, where God leads us, this is where each one of us should want to be. Because when you discover what you were created for, there's no better place to be. In fact, what I've discovered in my own life is I look back and I go, I can't believe how dumb I was to think that that was life. And yet, there is so much ahead. That's why Paul says, not that I have already attained it. He's not there. None of us are. At least, not to my knowledge. None of us are. We have so much to look forward to. We have so much to grow in. Where God leads, this is where we should want to be because when you discover what you were created for, there's no better place. And even further, because everything in this world is broken, and we've experienced brokenness, so we have something to say to the brokenhearted. And because we're sons and daughters of God. And God wants us to grow closer with him and wants more sons and daughters in his kingdom. And, and because we have a lonely world that, that's searching and longing for the same things that our hearts are longing for. They're not different. We're all longing. We're all searching for these things. And we, when we come to the knowledge of the truth, man, that's where peace is. All of this, of course, ties into the main point of what the Apostle Paul is teaching the Philippian church in this case and us today. Look at this third thing that's mentioned in verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal. Kind of sounds like it's similar to what he's saying before, but if straining forward is a picture of our purpose, pressing on towards the goal then is an illustration of the Apostle Paul's mindset. It's kind of like he's saying, get your mind right. You need the right mindset in order to accomplish what he is seeking to accomplish through you. He was looking toward the goal and the finish line. That should be our mindset. That's what he's saying. This is what gives us hope. When we're fixed upon the prize, it makes life all the more focused on the right thing, not the other way around. That's the way it works. And unless we're fixed on the prize, so to speak, which is ultimately him, we will never have things right. We will never have our mind right. What are the right things? That God would be worshipped and glorified in our life in every way. That Jesus would be first. That as a fellowship, we would be committed to becoming more and more Christ-like. And kingdom building, which is, by the way, hardest thing in the world, so to speak, because it's, it's building people and growing people and developing people and engaging people as we partner for the kingdom, and that's not easy. In other words, relationship isn't always comfortable, right? 
In fact, it's rarely comfortable. And yet, what God is building is something unified in him, and that is where we will find true relationship. That's the challenge before us, church. It's pretty fitting that we're having communion today because that's about relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to close and we're going to go to that. But let me just say this. The challenge before us, disciple-making and home group sustainment and growth and growing our worship attendance and guest nurturing and member attention and young family involvement and leadership development, that's, that's the work. But the mindset is not the work, but rather the finish line. That day when we'll stand before God and give an account for our lives. Well, my hope and prayer is that we would not fear that day. No, because in Christ Jesus, we don't need to fear the day. We're not trying to earn his, his trust. We're, we're not trying to earn his love. No, instead it's something so much different. Because of his love, we get to be a part of it. That's awesome. We have the privilege to be a part of what he is doing. Would you stand with me as we respond in faith to what he's doing here at our church and I hope in your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you brought us to this point. And even though it was delayed over and over again, God, today was the day for a reason. And I don't know what that means for each one of us, but I know what it means for me. So Lord Jesus, we respond by saying, may this all be about you and not ourselves, not our pet projects, not our wants, not our preferences, not just you, only you. For your glory, would you be honored as we launch this new chapter in our church's history and as we continue to move forward to what you have for us and our future. In Jesus' name, amen.